0: This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to The Two-Minute Drill.
1: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Two-Minute Drill. Today, it's just Dan and Adam. Kev couldn't be with us, unfortunately. Um, But we're happy to have you here. And before we get too far into anything else with uh, any topics with the Patriots and obviously training camp has been in full swing for a couple weeks now uh that roster cut date's coming up we did have the pleasure to interview former nfl quarterback and current nfl quarterbacks coach jordan palmer earlier in the week uh so we're gonna switch you over to that interview now hey guys what's going on uh welcome to another episode of the two minute drill today we're joined by jordan palmer uh he's a former nfl quarterback spent some time with the chicago bears cincinnati Bengals. uh currently he is a quarterbacks coach works with a lot of nfl guys in the offseason spent some time with jared stidham sam darnold josh allen joe burrow you can go check him out at qbsummit.com what's up jordan
0: how you guys doing
1: doing good man so figure i'll just jump right into it with a question. Uh, Obviously, it's well known that your older brother, Carson Palmer, former number one draft pick in the NFL, kind of crazy that you guys were both quarterbacks that obviously got to the highest level. Uh, How competitive were you guys kind of like growing up together in the same house?
0: Um, We were competitive on weird stuff, but we were never competitive on like football. Um, You know, it, it was pretty evident at a young age. He's five years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks 10 years older than me, but he's only five <laughs> years older than me Um, it was pretty evident at a young age, like literally god designed him to play quarterback physically <laughs> mentally Like even like the good and the bad stuff about him It was like perfect for being a mm-hmm. franchise quarterback and it was just really obvious That was not necessarily the case with me. We're the same height. We're the same size. We look similar. That's about where it ends um, and uh, and so I I learned at a really young age that I could explain this better than I could do this. So I look at it like he was able to reach his potential and, and really never, never really did. Um, you know, he, he should have been a Super Bowl champion. He should have won multiple championships and, um, anybody can sit there and say what could have happened. And we, we all have a little uncle Rico in us at some point. Um, but he was certainly good enough. And you know, the two times that he tore his ACL one time, they were 10 and one. And the other time they were basically the best team in the AFC and, uh, and they lost to the, the Steelers who won the Super Bowl that year. So um, so whatever, however that shook out, he was amazing at doing it. I was, I was really good at explaining it. I was just kind of able to continue to play um, for longer than I probably should have. Um, but we were competitive on weird stuff. Um, and it was never about money. It was never about bragging rights. It was never trying to be better than the other person. It was just trying to make the other person have to do something stupid. And uh, so that was pretty much the <laughs> emphasis of our childhood. And then us playing together uh, in the league, you know, backing him up for a handful of years. Um, It was it was more around trying to get the other guy to have to do something that he really doesn't want to do.
1: Over the course of your playing career, you weren't only in the NFL. uh, You spent a little time in the UFL in 2011. Uh, How how would you say that those leagues kind of compared to the NFL and like other football that you've played?
0: I Don't know if I can answer it. It shows up on uh, on Wikipedia, which is probably where you got that But I went I signed with the Arizona Rattlers, which is an arena league team. Yeah, and um, the day before I was leaving for camp I signed with the Bengals, so I never went and I went to the UFL for less than 48 hours I was with the Sacramento Mountain Lions and Dennis Green the late Denny Green was was the head coach Dante Culpepper was the other quarterback There's some random trivia for you. And and I got smoked like four times a row in practice the first day. And I was like, are we live in practice? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're live, whatever. And it was just, I mean, the league folded. It was such a dumpster fire that I was like, I was there for less than 48 hours. So I bounced right after that. So I can't say that I've like this journeyman guy who's like knows a ton about other leagues and how the world works um but i it does show up on my wikipedia page that i i per- yeah. i got a certificate of participation i'd say <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well jordan uh, what drove you to become a qb coach and what are some of your favorite stories from your experiences
0: yeah i mean i've been coaching since uh since i was young i mean for me when i was in college uh i worked with some high school kids Um, The Elite 11, which is a program that's been around for 23 years, it's basically the top high school quarterbacks in the country, rising seniors, get to be a part of it. It's a really unique, cool fraternity and kind of brotherhood. Um, Mm -hmm. Just so happens, I started off as a ball boy at that thing when I was in seventh grade. My dad read about it in a magazine and dropped me off. And um, so I've been to every single one of them for 23 years, even the guy who owns it hasn't. And uh, so when I was in college, I was a counselor for it. Um, so to, to date myself, when I was a college counselor at the Elite 11, I was a counselor with Jamarcus Russell, Troy Smith, Brad Smith, uh, Drew mm-hmm. Stanton, and, um, and I, the, some of the high school kids when I was a college counselor were Matthew Stafford, Andrew Luck, Mark oh, wow. Sanchez, wow. Uh, Jameis Winston. Some um, big names. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's most of the quarterbacks in the league have been through it. So I had kind of been around the, when I was playing on, in the league, I would, I would go to all the regionals around the country. So of course of the off season, we'd have OTAs Monday through Thursday and I'd leave and I'd go to Miami for a two day camp and, uh, wow. I did it all off season. And so, uh, I can legitimately say that before I was done playing in the NFL, which was about five years ago, I had easily seen 50,000 kids. Sheesh. Um, and wow. so, for me, it wasn't about I could. I knew all this football, and I was awesome. Like I wasn't. I have zero starts in the league, by the way. Like I, have j- I started just as many games as you guys combined. Um, and so it's pretty unique that like I, I was able to play and learn and and you know steal money from the money from the owners. Um, but uh, but at the same time, I was coaching the whole time. But I also learned that I don't want to be a coach. I don't want to coach on a team in college or the league. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's not the lifestyle and there's no knock on it. It's just not the lifestyle that I'm interested in. And so, um, I, I live in an area that I don't want to move from. And, uh, and so I, I'm pretty sad on that. So I looked out, set out to kind of build a quarterback coaching business that allows me to, um, to do things that coaches can't do. And one of the things is, uh, I have QB summit digital, which is a digital platform. So qbsummit.com where that k- tons of kids, tons of private quarterback coaches and tons of parents are members of. it's a membership and it's everything that i've learned over all the years uh, through video content and through weekly zooms where we really meet the guys where they're at um well i've got members from uh six countries so far and we've only been live for a week so that really actually is getting out into germany it's getting into canada it's getting into croatia it's getting into these other countries um and so you know if you're the quarterback coach of the rams that's that's not an opportunity um and the other thing is is really uh running camps around the country Supposed to be in a bunch of states this year before COVID. Um, but being able to run camps. I work with kids from 10 years old to 10-year vets. And again, you, you know, if you're the coach of the Rams, you can't do that. And so yeah. um, for me, it wasn't even about coaching. It was more about mentoring. And I think if you, if you lined up 100 NFL quarterbacks, including the guy behind you, um, and you asked all of them, who'd you learn the most ball from? Most of those dudes... Would name up an older player before they would name a coach. Okay, like I'd say my brother, and like okay, yeah, your brother played. Yeah. But like if I if you said yeah. like okay, but you can't say Carson, then I would say Josh McCown or Mark Brunell. You know what I mean? Or Billy yeah. Hart in high school. The kid who was your two years ahead of me, right? So like you would just say a, before I would name a quarterback coach. So for me, you know, with the young kids, yeah, I'm a coach. But to my college and NFL guys that I work with um now i'm more of like the vet in the room who can either i either got the answer or i can find somebody to get them the answer so whatever the question is
2: it's a really cool standpoint to be in where you're kind of also like like you said you're the coach and you're also the veteran in the room and you can help anybody at any time you know
0: totally totally and i love i love throwing with my guys and working out with them and Oh, yeah. you know basically it's always there's always some kind of bet going a loser has to do something so it's um <laughs> it's made it really fun i mean it keeps me young i'm 36 but i kind of like know what hip-hop is still cool i kind of like know what the swag is you know there you go. my social's <laughs> popping a little bit like so yeah. it keeps me keeps me in the locker room so to speak nice
1: yeah so speaking of you know all your qb camps and things like that i had mentioned in your intro but you know, we had talked about before we started shooting, we're big Patriots fans over here. You've had some extensive work with Jarrett Stidham. Uh, what would you say are kind of like some factors to his game that you think could make him a successful NFL quarterback?
0: Yeah. So Jarrett, um, a couple of things. So he throws it a lot better than anyone's going to give him credit because it's just not going to show up. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in this situation where I see them on the driving range. Right. And I got a lot of guys coming through over the course of an off season. Um, Jared actually has, like, elite arm. Just it's not, it's not arm talent, like, just straight velocity, like, throws it hard on everybody. Mm-hmm. But just it's the combination of his ability to spin it, his ability to control it, but also drive it. So I would say that he's got upper echelon arm talent as a whole. Uh, great mm-hmm. touch as well. And, and, and he's always had it. I met Jared when he was 15. He's always oh, yeah. had it. Like, I met him when he was committed to Texas Tech. That was three schools ago. Yeah. So, um, so he's always had that. The second thing about Jared is, you know, he had a lot of um, drama growing up, and so he's really grown up at an early age. He's he's very mature for his age. Obviously, he's married now and all that too. So he's just more mature than guys his age in a lot of ways, right? Not every way, but in a lot of ways. Um, and he played in two systems that you could make the argument they're the worst systems if you're talking about. Trying to get you ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, so that would be Art Briles' system at Baylor, and that would be Gus Malzahn's system at Auburn. Just mm-hmm. in, ter- they work in college, right? Baylor was rolling until Art got in trouble, and in Gus Malzahn, he won the national championship. They're yeah. good. I, I work with Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback now. He's mm-hmm. a baller. He's going to be a first round pick. But, um, but in terms of getting you ready to play in the league, he played in like two systems that are probably the furthest thing from it. So everything that he's learned about the NFL has been, you know, from our time together. But but obviously, like ninety nine percent of it is what he's learned in the last year. So what I would say is, all these people who are sitting here going, "Well, if Cam starts and Jarrett doesn't, then we're off Jarrett." It's like, hold on, hold on. This dude has been learning good football for twelve months. He's a baby, and I mean, in terms of that, literally. But he confidence wise is is absolutely good enough to play at a really high level this year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm not gonna get in I don't know what's going on with, with his hip and all the news, whatever. But reality is is yeah. like if they roll with Cam, all that means is that Jared's gonna continue to develop. And if they throw Jared in there, I I think he's gonna play really well.
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely just like following Hello? the team last year, throughout the off season, uh, you could see like a lot of improvements with him. Uh throughout the preseason he was definitely Showing up big time. I mean, coming into camp, it was Preseason statistically,
0: whatever the hell this means, he had the best preseason statistically speaking out of everybody in the NFL. NFL.
1: And I saw, like, uh, the PFF grades. Like, he was, I think, maybe, like, third amongst the rookie quarterbacks, only behind, like, Kyler Murray and another, like, high draft pick. So, like, just the fact that he was able to come in and honestly, like, beat out Brian Hoyer on the depth chart, who, like, had been in New England for so long, a lot of people weren't even sure that that was going to happen. It, like it really showed the potential he has.
0: Yeah, um, and you know people get caught up in like, well, Auburn they're 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 not a playoff team. It's like, yeah, but that doesn't matter when you're the quarterback of a place yeah. like that that expects to win. What you have to go through for 12 months and the pressure and the eyeballs and the expectations mm-hmm. and stuff that actually does get you ready for the NFL. So in a way that I at UTEP didn't experience. So um, he's going to be a great starter in this league. I don't know what's going to happen here in two weeks because there's a case to be made that it makes more sense to throw Jared out there and let Cam develop in, in the yeah. offense and learn. And there's learn a case to be made that says, you know, Cam was at one point one of the best players in the league or the best player in the league. Put him out there and let Jared develop. So mm-hmm. there's a case to be made either way. Um, it remains to be seen with what they end up going with. But e- either way, I mean, Jared's going to continue to develop, and he's going to he's going to yeah. be a really good player in this league.
1: Going back to those high expectations on the shoulders, I know that even since like high school, playing uh, high school football out in Texas, like I know he was one of the top recruits. And I remember back his senior year, Bleacher Report they did maybe like a little fifteen minute YouTube video about just his senior season and how like everyone was like expecting a state championship and like all this stuff from him. Like it's stuff he's been going through since he was like
0: eighteen. Which is just yeah. nuts to me. There's a bunch of stuff that really gets these guys ready. I mean, it it it, it weeds the the some of them out too. But um, when you're when you're a big time recruit, okay, and, I, and do this this elite eleven thing. I have a lot of kids that come to my to QB mm-hmm. Summit camps that are you know it's not a, it's not an elite camp. It's not for the 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 best kids. It's for everybody. Um, but yeah. some of the best kids come, and um, the pressure that they have at fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. I've got, a ki- I've got two different kids right now that I'm working with um, that have, like, really good offers, like, from really good schools. They haven't played freshman football yet. Wow. Like, but, and they're going to start on varsity at big-time schools, but, like, but they haven't played yet. So, yeah. guys getting offers that early, all that does, it doesn't guarantee them anything, right? Um, but what it does is every time that Darius and Maya Lawaki are going to step on the field... Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be staring at them, expecting them to ball. Okay? Yeah. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. But at 15, 16, 17, you're talking about every seven on seven tournament, every camp, mm-hmm. everything you go and do. When you get those types of expectations, then that kind of teaches you how to handle that. So yeah. then you go to, you're Trevor Lawrence and you win a national championship and you got the playoffs and all the media and all the stuff and like that's happening. And he's only 19 years old and he's a true freshman. It's like, yeah, it is very, very impressive. that He's handled that at a young age, but this is not the first time that he walked into a room and everybody yeah. stared at him and expected yep. him to do something awesome. And so for some kids, it's the end of their career. It's devastating. They, they mm. can't do it. And that's fine. This isn't for everybody. Um, and for some kids, that's what hardens them and gets them ready to play at a high level. That's why, like years ago, true freshmen didn't play, and rookies yeah, never yep. played. My brother was the number one pick in the draft. He did not play a snap his rookie year because he wasn't ready.
1: Yeah, like that,
0: it, but that's I how mean, they did. Would, it. Uh,
1: yeah, you don't even have to be a first round pick now to be no, second like, round starter picks right are expected
0: right to start, Andy Dalton, boom, second round pick, starter yep. day one. I know that mm-hmm. f- definitively because I was the guy he beat out. And they never gave me a shot because they had decided that he was going to be the starter, which is like, that was kind of the start of it. It was like, damn, second-round picks are expected to start now. Wow. Yeah. And, and that's just how it, that's, that's how it rolls. And not all of them do that. But even like Deshaun Watson, they named Nate Peterman or whoever it was the starter. Um, yeah. And then they put Deshaun at halftime. I mean, you uh, look at, Now you're you seeing at Kyler Williams. Murray, and then yeah. now you're seeing Joe Burrow that are they're saying... Like on draft night. They were the, they were the starter.
1: Yeah. Speaking of Joe Barrow, uh, that's a guy you've worked with. I was about to ask you about that. You know, when you talk about someone having huge expectations on them all of a sudden, um, what's kind of like your insight with him, I'm sure he probably knew for a little while that he was going to end up in Cincinnati. You know, a lot of people figured he was going to be the number one pick did he ever ask you kind of about like organizationally how that place is? And did you have any advice
0: for him? Well, I think one of the rules that I try and play with these guys that I did with Joe that I would with any of them is, is, you know, they're they're They know everything about college football, right? They were Mm -hmm. recruited and then they played a couple of years. And then at the end of it, they've learned a lot, right? Just like, you know, when you were a senior in high school, you know, a ton about how high school worked. Yeah. Well, These guys may be in a fantasy league and may watch Sundays, but they don't know a much because they've been paying attention to college They don't know much about how the league works. So I always share Over the couple of months how the league works and uh, I used to talk to John Gruden before he would do his Gruden camp his show And he'd always say hey man get these idiots to at least know what teams in what division nothing pisses me off more than that man and so um, I, I was this like actually the first thing I do. I do it when guys have a bowl game. I do it, there in their bowl break. Yeah. Every team, every division. Memorize it. Yeah, because you can go on your phone and do that. And then next is every head coach, his name, and the last team he was on. Then we go every offensive coordinator, his, his name, the last three teams he was on. Is this guy from a receiver coach? Is this guy from a quarterback background? Is this guy in his fifth stop? Is this guy been yeah. here for twenty years? Stuff matters, right? So, throughout that process, I, I'm educating them on how the league works, and then when we, if we know that there are certain teams of interest, so with Joe obviously to be the number one pick. So we, we yeah. talked a um, lot, Cincinnati. We talked a lot about Miami. We talked a lot about some of these other teams who could potentially get to one or could potentially mm-hmm. make a move. So for us, it's making sure that. Those guys know what the expectations are and know what's out there.
2: Yeah. Um, um, uh, I want to say, Jordan, that uh, your John Gruden impersonation was pretty funny. I'll give you that. It's and, a uh, seven. Mean-
0: <laughs> Mark Sanchez <laughs> yeah, yeah. has actually a really good one. Mark Sanchez is like, <laughs> like a nine. Go oh, ahead. really?
2: <laughs> so out of all the quarterbacks that were taken in the 2020 draft, who do you think will have the biggest immediate impact
0: and overall strongest career? Two different things. I mean, um, immediate impact is going to be Joe just because. Are you talking about the upcoming draft? Or, yeah, or the, the last drafted, draft? Yeah,
2: the most yeah. recent draft.
0: Yeah, so I think Joe's going to have the most immediate impact because he's been the starter now for a couple months. Um, weird offseason. But he's got a good receiving core. He's got a good tight end. He's got a running back in a contract year. Those guys run hard when they're in contract years. They've got a lot of new free agents in on defense. Um, And they have low expectations uh, where people have low expectations of them. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, people got so caught up in talking about Joe's stats, but what they don't know and that they will over time is just the the level of confidence that he has stepping into any situation, even a brand new one um, is, is, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen it before, not on that level. And uh, uh, there's guys who, you know, I've seen a lot of guys and from Mahomes and Deshaun, all these guys on down that, uh, all have unique traits. Joe from a just an absolute belief that what he can do is plenty and that's going to work. That's um, a unique thing. Mm-hmm. So he's going to make a big immediate impact. And in terms of, you know, overall career, kind of where everyone ends up, it, it really, I, I believe that it stems from ownership in the front office more than people realize. So Definitely. Um, we'll see. There's always things that are evolving and changing. Um, so we'll see what happens in terms of who has the, the best career. Uh, but it won't just be about how well they play. Hmm. Might seem
1: a little off topic now, but uh, this is a question I definitely wanted to get to ask you uh, before we wrap things up. You shared the field for a bit in Cincinnati with Chad Ochoa. Uh He's known to be one of the more exciting. W- was he? Was he just as much of a character,
0: kind of like in the locker room and on game day? Is he twenty four seven? Really? Twenty four seven.
2: Yeah, awesome. that
0: was not a that was not a shtick. That was not for the cameras. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy? He too. He doesn't drink. Doesn't smoke. Wow. So he, like, never. So he's just always on. Like yeah. He wasn't like really funny when the lights turned on, or really funny at the bar. He was just always like that. And what my brother realized it was, I thought it was genius. And it's, I, I talk to guys about this now. Is is. The more shit that he talked, especially in the media, the more pressure he put on himself and the more and the harder he ended up working to back it up. So we always welcomed it when he put together a giant list of all the DBs that he was going to go against. And he started crossing them out, their names. He, he was, he was, he had to perform at a high level. And so... Uh, the other thing about Chad is he was one of the hardest workers ever in practice. He loved practice. He loved to practice. He would run as many routes as he could. He'd run he'd be yelling at Marvin Lewis, trying to get in on scout teams and trying to run some more routes on the starting defense. It wasn't even about like working. It was just like he just wanted to play football all day. It was like he loved it. Yeah. He thought it was so fun. He would talk so much trash to everybody at all times. He'd Line up on the D V and tell them exactly what route he's gonna run. Like it was just always on. And so it was just a blast, and uh, you know, I only played with him for like three or four years, and like, yeah, there's nobody like that guy. I mean, OBJ yeah. and all that, and that was pre-social too, because like that was like early Twitter. That was it. Yeah, you know, so he was just. I mean, the, the young guys don't realize like he was OBJ and Saquon. Like he was like a huge. He was a huge. Yeah. He was a major part of yeah. every conversation. Yeah, tiny market. It was crazy. Yeah. So
2: so from, from your own personal experience with each player, who do you think will win the starting job for New England and why?
0: Well, I think there's a case to be made um, for starting Cam and, and continuing to develop Jarrett. I think there's a case to be made um, for throwing Jarrett out there. He's been in the system longer, even though it's only been one year, and uh, he just went through the entire offseason, all the Zoom meetings with the verbiage and everything, and so give him a shot, and if it doesn't work out, you go back to Cam, but then... A case we made to say, hey, hold on, Brian Hoyer's been in this system for like, I don't know what, six or seven years. Yeah. Um, we're gonna rush anybody back on the field. So mm-hmm. there's also injury issues, right? Like we don't know really yet how healthy Cam is. I'm assuming he's very healthy, but who knows? He's played 16 games, and I think, or whatever it is, you guys would know better than me, but he hasn't played a full season in a while. Um, and uh, and Jarrett has this new hip thing that I was just reading about. So um, you know, I I don't know what they're gonna do, but I do know this. New England is more so than any other franchise in maybe any sport they do not have to sell any decisions to their fan base they do not have to make sure that the season ticket holders approve they don't need to do anything for political reasons there is no longer leash in sports than the one that bill belichick has he doesn't have to he, he is not concerned with anybody's opinion outside of his own and his staff and whoever he confides in. So um, we could all sit here and say the obvious decision is, and it doesn't matter, Bill's going to do what he thinks gives his uh, his team the best chance to win. And um, so, you know, usually the Patriots do something. When they they do something that catches you off guard, you know, they draft Mm -hmm. that guy or they cut this guy or they trade that guy. Everyone can jump on there. And I've just always been – I've always sat back and gone, hmm, it would be interesting to see how this – why this is the right move because i bet it is yeah all
1: right well thank you so much for joining us today jordan uh it was a real pleasure having you everyone definitely make sure to go check out qbsummit.com you know clearly if you listen to this interview you can see that jordan's got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the position you know could totally help you reach your potential and kind of like separate yourself from the competition if you're a young quarterback looking to improve qbsummit.com.
2: dot
0: Thanks, George. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me on, guys. So nice. Heck yeah. yeah,
2: man! Thank you very
0: much. Hey, whoa! Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's your prediction? Who do you think's the starter? I'll say this: oh, Who do you think starts the most games? Oh Ooh. man, because uh, that's a tougher one.
2: That's that's harder than that's this the only one that matters. You guys asked. Um, right I'd say I think I'm gonna go with Cam Newton I'd with Stidham dealing with so, that hip injury right now. Oh.
1: I think, St- I think Stidham could pull it out. I think Stidham could pull it out because I think Bill honestly sees a lot in him, sees a lot of potential in him. Um, because it seems like for a long time we were going to enter training camp with Stidham, basically, just Stidham and Hoyer. And that was a that was a battle Stidham had won last year. So he was going to be the starter. I think Bill sees a lot in him. And I think when Cam starts to struggle, he's really not going to hesitate to put him in and give him a shot or he even talked about doing kind of like a quarterback by committee this year having guys uh split reps and drives and stuff like that so I hear you go
0: sit on very cool all right you heard it here first
2: <laughs> heck yeah he's back. yeah <laughs> he's Yeah. <back>,
0: right?
2: <laughs> the tree all right, <laughs> all, right, all, right thanks thanks go, man.
1: all right a lot of topics touched on in that interview of course uh Thank you again to Jordan for joining us. You guys can once again check him out at www.qbsummit.com. Um, Adam, any thoughts on that interview?
2: I just want to say, like you already mentioned, a big thanks to Jordan. Uh, it was really nice having him on and hearing his side of things and all the stories he had. And uh, one thing he mentioned that's really stuck in my mind is when we were discussing uh, Trevor Lawrence and stuff and how big-time athletes in college handle big situations. And he, uh, he told us how even we put so much emphasis on these athletes in all these situations, but as they're growing up, from the time they're thirteen or fourteen years old, they're already facing the biggest criticism they can. So they just develop that killer instinct to be able to perform in the biggest moments. So that's just one thing that's really stuck out to me.
1: Yeah, he was he was mentioning that with Jarrett Stidham a lot too. Obviously, uh, Stidham was a highly touted recruit all throughout high school, and then to just add on to that, he of course grew up in Texas. So I mean, it's like a whole nother ball game out there. So. I mean, that is something really encouraging to know that, you know, not not an easy thing to do to be stepping in second year in the league trying to fill the shoes of the greatest quarterback of all time. Like, the last time that someone had to do something like that it was Steve Young, and it was a completely mm-hmm. different situation than what it is now. Young had seemingly been ready for years. So, I mean, regardless of if he wins the job or not, um, yeah, definitely an encouraging thing to hear about um, – his preparedness and the big moments and just overall confidence
2: absolutely and another little thing he mentioned about sitem was that he doesn't get a lot of credit for the his arm talent and the zip he has in the ball but he said that he uh he actually does have quite the zip when you see him in person so that was uh pretty encouraging to hear about
1: yeah just kind of talking about how um I think you're saying Jarrett just kind of has like almost like the whole package for arm talent like He's not necessarily like a Matthew Stafford who just has a cannon, but maybe sometimes a little inaccurate or more of a, or more of a Andrew Luck who doesn't have as strong an arm as a Stafford or a Mahomes, but is just incredibly accurate. He kind of has a great combination of everything. Um, Another thing, obviously that's really encouraging about Jarrett Stidham. Um, Now we get into a little current Patriots news. Um, Well, not so current anymore, but Jarrett Stidham, of course, uh, he went down with uh, I believe was it a hip or a groin injury I, uh, they it was, weren't super specific I don't
2: think they ever specifically said exactly what it was but I know it was like a lower body region something like that I think it was his hip though
1: yeah so I think he, I don't think he missed any practices I think he was just limited yeah. for a bunch of practices and still has um, some limitations now today's practice didn't have media availability so we couldn't really see but I'm pretty sure in the last practice he did everything but 11 on 11 something like that but um obviously that's a huge huge hit for him trying to go up against cam newton um in that quarterback's race it's been a little underwhelming to tell you the truth it's the competition between the two of them it
2: honestly couldn't have happened at a worse time because we've been patriots fans all of our lives and we've had tom brady watch all of our lives and this would have been the first actual preseason we got to watch a real quarterback battle But unfortunately, due to COVID, we kind of weren't able to do that. And to mention what you said about Stidham, I absolutely agree. It was a huge blow to the guy. Just as things were starting to spice up and we were actually seeing some real competition every single day in practice, he goes down with that injury and basically became the job. Yeah,
1: and then not even necessarily in the sense that, of course, having the preseason with us just would have been so great. But Uh not even in that sense, just more. It's been close between the two of them. But I, you, you haven't really seen either of them have these, like, tremendous back-and-forth set practices. Mm-hmm. Like, for the most part, all of Cam's practices have been kind of mediocre. And then Stidham's been the more inconsistent one where, like, he'll have – I remember, like, one of the first few days, he was having an awesome practice. And then he, th- he, like, threw a pick. And then on the very next play, he had Ossie-Ossie wide open and missed him. Belichick just pulled him right out. And uh-huh. then the next day, it was kind of the same thing, where he got off to a strong start, and then you flash forward to the end of practice, and he's thrown, like, four picks. Yep. Now, I don't I don't know how much of that is playing with that injury, but I don't know. it. Newton is going to beat him out, but that's not necessarily saying that Cam Newton's had a great training
2: camp. Oh, absolutely. I definitely think Stidham's injury has hindered his ability throughout the last couple of weeks. Uh, but... I absolutely agree with you that Newton was handed to the job as soon as Stidham went down. But like you said, Newton's had his rocky struggles as well, but I have seen a couple of things the last few days that he's looked a lot better, making a lot quicker reads at the line and his release looks really yeah, fast. Yeah, and that's definitely. one thing. And... That's one thing I've always kind of knocked on Cam Newton. His release is always slow and he mm. always kinda of, like throws off his back foot and like uses his like upper back to like get the ball out. But with McDaniels coaching him up, hopefully that'll look a little bit different once the season starts.
1: Yeah, and then another thing with Cam Newton that we've seen or been reported on that's pretty exciting is that his relationship on and off the field with Julian Edelman seems to just be growing tremendously. Uh-huh. There seems to be a lot of chemistry there now, which is awesome. You, you always are going to want that uh, from your quarterback and basically our top receiver. But um, while Cam hasn't necessarily had the most amazing practices, there's been a lot of guys, just like every year, over the course of training camp who have uh, really stepped up kind of unexpectedly and turned some heads. And I think no one has done that more so than Gunnar Osweski. Oh my gosh. I made my roster projections, I believe the night before training camp actually started and I didn't have him making the team and I look like a complete idiot. You better switch that. I figured, I figured all he was really going to be used for, for us was returning punts. And with Kyle Duggar coming in, he was no longer going to be the best at the team at doing that, but, I mean, he feels so weird saying this, but he's literally been our second-best wide receiver through camp. He's outplayed (laughs) Nikhil Harry and Mohamed Sanu. Which is unbelievable. And then guys like Jacoby Myers, Demirio Bird, not even close. Completely outplayed all
2: of them. Just hats off to Gunner, man. That's just the guy who wants it, has been working real hard. And you really, when you watch him play, you see a hint of Edelman. It's almost like... Yeah. You might have been a little young, but you probably remember the transition from Welker to Edelman. When Edelman first came in, yep. everybody was and like, "Oh, this is same this thing."
1: Is, he was just kind of mm-hmm. the punt retainer. That's all he really just was initially. Right in.
2: yeah, exactly. And you keep seeing all those pictures of uh, Gunner going up with one hand, making the crazy catches. That's a great feature. Yep. I've seen fans. a lot of those. And his release looks really fast too. That's what everybody's been saying.
1: What I will say though, that's kind of unfortunate, is um, Gunner has been so good that unfortunately a guy like devin ross who's also had just an awesome training camp like i think he almost basically barring like any crazy injuries or someone just starts playing awful in these last few days of camp he has like basically no chance yeah, in the roster Not a because shot. it was it was like him gunner and then another guy jeff thomas i was so oh, excited to see jeff thomas too. coming into camp i had him making my roster i mean he looked like a Dud at Miami and then it was really off the field issues that resulted in him going undrafted. And he missed a couple practices, but when he's been out there, it's the same thing. He hasn't even necessarily done bad, but it's just gunner is so much
2: better. Uh huh. I see
1: the thing with Jeff Thomas. Basically everyone else.
2: The thing with Jeff Thomas for me is I feel like he came into New England with a little bit of an injury and he missed some time to the point where maybe mm-hmm. Bill's just trying to stash him away, put him put him on the yeah, practice squad nobody knows about him and here's a little prediction for you i will not be surprised if jeff thomas goes on the ir with some kind of new england flu i don't know what it's going to be we might stash Ooh, him on there you know how we always do this you know how randomly yep. every year at the end we of the game did it, we did it last guys. year
1: d'angelo ross yep. yep
2: just randomly go on the ir and you're like what the heck even happened so yeah, if that's yeah. if that's the plan with bill and that's why we have been stashing him away i wouldn't be surprised to see that happen
1: yeah no i think 100 we're going to look to put thomas and ross at least on the practice squad which is the only thing i worry about i think there's absolutely no way that both of them clear waivers oh yeah if we're lucky jeff thomas will get put on our practice squad but devin ross i think he had played for like philly for a little bit so he's got like more experience around the nfl so i think that someone would definitely pick
2: up. oh yeah devin ross. so what are you feeling about uh jacoby myers right now do you think he's a lock to make the roster i personally think he's kind of on the edge right now with the emergence of guns. i don't and yeah, we need speed. I don't
1: think he's allowed. We have no, enough. We
2: guys that can we get need open. the
1: speed. I I think he will make the roster. I think he was a lo- he seemed like a lock coming into camp, and it hasn't all been his fault for for like the last week. I think he's been limited in practice, but even he's been having like drops in individual drills and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which that, that should never happen. I mean, you're just running routes with no corner <laughs> on you, you know? So, yeah. Um. No, he definitely hasn't done himself any favors throughout this camp. And then Gunner's play. Gunner has outplayed him easily. I think Devin Ross has outplayed him. And then I think you could make the case that Jeff Thomas has. But it's just a matter of if, we'll, if we're going to completely forget. Because he was the Gunner of last year's camp. Exactly. He was unreal at camp last year. And he showed flashes during the season this year. We saw um, he made some big plays in the Dallas game that Giants game on Thursday night football he played he a, really well I think he
2: had a couple catches in week one as well yeah against Pittsburgh and I,
1: I just think that the big thing with him was that almost Brady had kind of like no tolerance for him oh so him. quick
2: zero trust I was
1: at I was at the um preseason game week three we were playing Carolina Cam actually got hurt in that game and um Brady was in for the first quarter and I mean he's obviously like such a competitor but those things are always just kind of like a formality. Like he'll just go in the first quarter and like sometimes you'd see him go out. It wouldn't really seem like he cared too much, but Mm -hmm. Myers ran the wrong route on like a third down. Brady threw it to where he should have been. Myers wasn't there. It was obviously like a miscommunication. Brady, like I remember he freaked the fuck out and like (laughs) threw his helmet on the sideline, like all this shit. And so I think that like so quickly he just intimidated Myers so much. So that, because you saw last year, Myers had like some big time drops and things like that. And it would always put the camera on Brady's face and he'd be uh-huh. so pissed. So I just think he got super intimidated by Brady last year and that kind of hampered him a little bit. It's Whereas hard. obviously like a new quarterback, I thought it would help him, but yeah, still really hasn't but done much.
2: With a guy like Brady, who's so detail oriented and by the book, you could say with the offense, it's really tough to come in and gain his trust so quickly but it's funny you mentioned yeah, that definitely. because that's kind of that was basically the story of last year Breeze lack of trust with all mm-hmm. of his receivers besides julian edelman and we yeah, saw that
1: everyone but edelman and uh sanu but sanu was just never sanu, healthy yeah
2: uh, except for that uh ravens game oh man
1: yeah yeah that was
2: such a tease man he had what like 10 receptions know, 100 yards and a touchdown or something
1: I don't know about like 10 receptions. He had the touchdown. And I remember he had some big like third down slants. And then he was even doing pretty well in the Philly game. And then on one of those punt returns, like
2: he taken out,
1: Yep, comes up limping. And then he was literally never the same all season, obviously Mm -hmm. had to get ankle surgery as a result of that play. I'm assuming. Um, But speaking of, you know, Patriots players, health, uh, that's been one of the bigger storylines with our running backs this season. Uh, Brandon Bolden opted out, which made things pretty open for a guy like JJ Taylor maybe making the roster. And then we signed Lamar Miller. He came off PUP today. Sony Michelle came off PUP way before anybody expected, which I'm sure you're thrilled about. Um, <laughs> they were saying Sony was almost a lock to be out week one, yet here he is with about a week and a half left in training camp, already back practicing full contact and everything. Who do you think uh, is going to be the odd man out for those running backs? Do you think there could be any surprise cuts? Uh, Do you think we move on from Sony? Do you think maybe we go with JJ Taylor over Lamar Miller? What do you think?
2: I think it's going to be, I don't think we're going to move on from Sony. I think we got to give him one more good year because as bad as he was last year, I don't think it was all his fault with losing Gronk, David Andrews going out. Um, uh, Wasn't no Devlin, was it and Devlin, then yeah. Jacob and, Johnson, yep. Yeah, and then Cannon got hurt, right? Was it Cannon or was it um?
1: uh when it was when, yeah, when that's what I'm saying? when missed eight games, yeah. And
2: having uh, uh why can't I think of I' Remember who Turf was Newhouse, Marshall Newhouse, so Yeah, That oh was oh my god, that was dude. a brutal, brutal time. But I think it's just gonna be basically what everybody else thinks. I'd say with uh, Sony, Rex, Damian Harris, and uh,
1: James White,
2: James White, yeah, and. Arian Foss, do you think we carry five actually now that i think about
1: it i think we're, I think we're gonna carry five but i think it's just a mat i i honestly um i was thinking we weren't going to because just if lamar miller never came off pup and never played like i thought maybe we were gonna stash him on ir and then um put jj taylor on the roster because he's a guy who he's been doing really well throughout training camp and it seems like um Ivan Fears is really impressed with him. He called him the the mini Deion Lewis Mm -hmm. or something like that, which got me excited. But um, no, now that he's back, and I mean, he's back with enough practices that he could kind of like carve out a spot on the roster. I really don't know what's going to happen that I think JJ Taylor, he's at least going to, they're at least going to try and put him on the practice squad. But I don't even know that Lamar Miller makes the roster, which is something really disappointing to me. I was yeah. really excited when we brought him on. And,
2: and you got to feel for guys like JJ Taylor, too, because in any other normal season, they'd really be able to show their mark and show their skill in preseason yeah. games. But there's only so much you can do in practice against your yeah, own guys. Yeah, that would have helped
1: them out so much. Exactly. And another big thing. Yeah, go on. I'll let you finish your point.
2: No, I was just going to uh, tell you, brother. All
1: right. Uh, another big thing with, our, with the running backs groups now, uh, today. Just out of nowhere, the Jaguars, they're just going full tank. No big inciting incident like Earl Thomas. They just cut uh, Leonard Fournette. Like it had been known since around, honestly, like two years ago, the draft two years ago, that they were trying to trade him. Um, they had had some problems with him and they just wanted to kind of like cash in for him. They didn't pick up his fifth year option and they just cut him. So now people are looking at potential destinations and the Patriots have a tendency to take chances on guys like that. You know, you look at a guy like Fournette, there's no reason that he should be a free agent right now and should be potentially getting a one year, like small money deal. That seems like it has Patriots written all over it. Mm He's had some problems in the past. Seems like something Bill Belichick would think he could deal with. Um, obviously I just said the running backs, um, not looking super strong this year with injury concerns for Sony and Lamar Miller. So what do you think? you think we we take a run at Leonard Fournette?
2: I think it would be a really good idea to at least um... – at least think about it for Bill, but my only question is, he Leonard Fournette's kind of like a bruising back. He's a ground-and-pound, through-the-hole kind of guy, and that's kind of what Sony Michelle already is, and I think that's what Damian Harris is, but he has a little bit better hands than the both of those guys. So I just yeah. don't really know how Leonard Fournette would fit into the system right away. But I will say he's definitely healthy, he's definitely ready for a new location, and I think a new team would be really good for his career going forward. Especially like a team yeah, like the, the
1: Patriots. The the one thing I definitely love with Leonard Fournette, he's a much bigger back than anybody we have, and he'd be able to bring so much for us with um, just with the run blocking. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. More so than like Sony Michelle or James White could. And just the size in that backfield with Cam Newton and Leonard Fournette.
2: That's scary.
1: That, that that's going to so keep linebackers on their toes. And then, of course, me. I had my fantasy football draft like three days ago. And, of course, I took Leonard Fournette <laughs> to be my, my number two running back. And now there's the possibility that he fucking pulls an Antonio Brown for this year and ends up, like, never playing. You know what the best part about that is? is I drafted that? Andrew Luck last year.
2: Oh, two years in a row, dude. <laughs> you just can't catch a break, huh? Oh, my gosh.
1: That's so, brutal. I guess for Fournette, the um, – He's gonna go on waivers now and that's gonna expire tomorrow, Tuesday at four o'clock. And basically any team can put in a waiver request for him and then it it like works backwards like Bengals have top priority, mm-hmm. I guess, and then like Redskins, like worst record to best record. So we wouldn't be in a great spot to get him if a ton of team put in waiver claims for him. But apparently the Jaguars literally like couldn't even get like a sixth or a seventh round pick for Fournette. Which, this whole time they've been shopping him.
2: Which absolutely shocks me. He's a former first round yeah. pick and how do you
1: He ran it? for like he ran for like twelve hundred yards last year? Yeah, week. he had a
2: solid season. I just can't I can't seem to think why nobody would want to throw at least like a seventh, sixth round pick like you said. Anything.
1: Yeah, so, shocks me. so there's a possibility that on the waiver order, we could potentially be the only team that puts in a waiver claim for him. Or if it's like us and the Chiefs, like we would get the priority. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be something to watch. I'd be so excited if we got Leonard Fournette. I'm honestly Um, pretty
2: excited that the Bucs didn't try to shoot at the Jags and throw, like, a fifth-round pick out there.
1: Yeah, well, they just have, like, no money right now. Yeah. I think they really want to make it happen, but I think probably what's going on with them right now is they're trying to crunch the numbers on, like, if they could even do that. Because um, I believe that they have, like, either the lowest cap space. No, they have – they have the second lowest now after um, another big thing with the Jaguars, trading Yannick Ngakwe oh, yeah. to the Vikings and literally taking like a $6 million pay cut and allowing the Vikings to tag him after the season just to get out of Jacksonville. Shows you just <laughs> how bad it is over there. But um, yeah, Vikings are like in the negative, but I think the Bucks have like one mil in cap yeah, space. bottom which, of the league. I mean, I think Fournette's probably smart enough to know he's not going to get like a like the four-year, like $30 million contract he maybe could have gotten if he hit free agency after this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still going to at least look for, like, five, six mil. He's not going to take the minimum yeah, like no Brian way. Hoyer, you know.
2: No way. He's too proven and too young right now to take like a one-year, one-mil kind of deal.
1: Yeah. He knows his worth. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brian Hoyer, uh, there's been a lot of talk this year, just like there was last year, about will the quarterbacks put uh, – will the Patriots put three quarterbacks on that roster? Obviously, everyone thought they were going to last year. Jarrett Stedham ends up beating out Brian Hoyer for the job. Spike King gives me $100. Um, did he actually give
0: me the 100 and, uh, though?
1: Yeah, he did give me the um, 100 okay, for that. Good. And then now this year, uh, he's all Team Jarrett Stedham. I love to see it. But um, – Yeah, do you think the Patriots will keep all three of those quarterbacks on their roster for this year? I
2: absolutely think so, because in a year like this year, it's so uncertain with COVID going around. And if Cam's going to be the starter, he's obviously a a running kind of quarterback, and God forbid he gets hurt. We're going to need to sit in the back of him and have a backup for him too. And it's always good to have a guy like Hoyer as a security blanket just in case anything Mm -hmm. really bad happens. So I absolutely agree. and
1: and we even saw rumors before the season started that – teams were looking at potentially putting an extra quarterback on the roster and basically keeping him isolated from everyone else Mm -hmm. just in case like if there was a coronavirus outbreak they'd have like a quarterback in their back pocket you know what I mean which is just insane to me but maybe Brian Hoyer could be that guy for us
2: and that's Brian Hoyer would be a pretty good quarantine quarterback I'd say he's got a lot of experience a lot of a lot of knowledge of the system he's a veteran and I'd be pretty confident if well I mean I hope it doesn't happen but if he was our third option in a COVID like season then uh, it could be a lot worse.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, I guess I guess we'll end it off with one last thing. Um, who would be for you so far, aside from, you know, the, some of the guys we've talked about, you know, uh, Devin Ross and Gunner and Jeff Thomas, who would be your performer of the training camp thus far?
2: Ooh. Put me on the spot right here. I gotta
1: think. I can go first if you need to. Yeah, thank. take it
2: away. I gotta thank real
1: quick. I'm gonna. It's it's between two guys for me. Um, well, actually, it's an it's an easier pick now because he's been out for a little while. But Kyle Duggar was running <sighs> away with it to start the year. Um, and then now he, he's missed some practices and kind of like slowed down a bit. So my pick, I'm going to go Devin Asiasi. Oh, uh, the rookie tight end at a UCLA. We used a third round pick on him. I was very upset when we took him. I wanted Adam Troutman. I watched his highlights and immediately changed my mind. He looks like Aaron Hernandez, junior, hopefully without, <laughs> without some of those off the field issues. Um, but no, he's just been great in training camp. Definitely our top tight end. Um, far better than Dalton Keene or, or Ryan Ezzo so far. and um, Hopefully, he's going to have a really impactful rookie year.
2: I like that pick a lot. I honestly kind of forgot about Asiasi before you mentioned him, but mm-hmm. like you said, when you watch his highlights, he's just a natural pass catcher. He runs solid routes, has good hands. He's a little bit on the slow side, but I think he can still get open. Yeah, I think yeah. he'll be all right. I'm really excited to see what, what a, a tight end other than Ben Watson's going to do on our offense this year. But um, For me, you kind of kind of gave it away i was actually going to pick kyle duggar because i've seen a lot of like you said he was really hot to start at camp but coming in as a coming from a division two college there was a lot of uncertainty around him from everybody in the nfl but like you said he made his mark in the beginning of camp and he's missed a couple practices but i've seen a lot of things saying that he looks really good one of the best players in the field at all times really fast really instinctive and i'm just really excited to see if he can uh, fill the role of patrick Chung or help out at least
1: yeah, um, there was something I completely forgot to mention that I just want to talk about with you right before we end, dude. Justin Rohrwasser sucks. Oh
2: my god, man! You're telling me? You're telling He's, me? You're a dude, NFL kicker. What is? And you come up short on a 54-yard field goal.
1: We he was the first kicker taken in the draft. What did you take him in the fifth round? We took him in the fifth. Oh my god. We were looking at. Rodrigo Blankenship looked like the top guy. I think he went undrafted, so there's probably something with him. Obviously, that like a lot of GM saw, but it seemed like Tyler Bass in Buffalo seemed to be the next best thing. He ends up with the Bills, and now he's already taken Stephen Hauschka's job, uh-huh. and we passed on him to take this Wasser neo-Nazi, whatever he is, with that fucking <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> 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 and he can't he can't hit a field goal from over 45 yards I'm- he missed four straight from 48 it was like three were from 48 and then one was from like 52 he missed four straight in that in-stadium practice we had a couple days ago and nick folk who i didn't even think was any good i thought he had he was like an all right kicker when he was with us but mm. he just had absolutely no power nick folk tore him over up <laughs> every day that nick folk has been there he has absolutely torn this kid up i think there's we're gonna take a kicker in the fifth round and he's not gonna make our roster
2: you know it's gonna be really annoying when we look back on this pick in five years it's gonna be somebody who's really really good in the nfl that oh we could have god dude there's round. gonna be an
1: all there's gonna be an all pro kicker that exactly. went in this draft and we pass on him. it's just funny. and even gustowski people were thinking oh we cut him because his hips all fucked up he can't play anymore He's got a tryout with the Titans. He's probably going to be the new kicker for Mike Vrabel. He's probably better than Roy Wasser, mm-hmm. Maybe even better than Nick Folk. We let him go. Like I don't, I don't know what. It's like everything else we've done this year. The Kyle Duggar pick, the two, you know, the two tight ends. We end up taking in the third, kind of turning some heads, uh-huh. trading out of the first round, like all that stuff. It seems to kind of be working out thus far. Seems to kind of be sliding into the place. But that's the one thing we're just like at kicker. Exactly. Ever since Gustowski went down last year, we just couldn't fucking figure and it out. And
2: it's just so weird because for so long we've had such good kickers from Vinatieri to Gostowski. Yeah. and Belichick gets yep. so much praise for all the punters he drafts and all the kickers and the special teams guru, blah blah blah. And you would think, yeah, Bill would know what he was doing taking that kicker in the fifth round before. Yeah. I had well, the I
1: will say, Jake Bailey has been a beast. Jake Bailey's been so good He's in a training stud. camp this year. And he it was last year, he absolutely destroyed Ryan Allen in camp and had an awesome rookie year. So I will say he definitely hit on that pick. But I mean, the Wasser pick looks like it's going to go down with the Jordan Richards and Cyrus Joneses of of years past. Oh
2: yeah. Just not a good look for the guy coming in with that tattoo, facing adversity and now not even be oh, able to God, hit a fifty yard field goal. Not yeah. not a chance he's making the <laughs> roster.
1: No. All right. Well it's been a pretty good podcast guys. Uh another thanks to Jordan
2: Palmer for joining us for that interview. And uh make sure to tune in next time.